0: I'm Fanny, And I'm Tiffany. And we are co-founders of The Change Agents, a boutique recruiting firm focused on servicing talent and clients at the
1: intersection of technology and communications. We started The Change Agents because we know we are stronger together and we want to change tomorrow together with our clients.
0: We are bringing you Grounded Through Change because we love talking with change makers and finding out how they navigated major transformations. We talk to disruptors and those brave enough to challenge the status quo about what fuels their purpose,
1: who championed them on their journey, and how to trust your intuition. We hope this podcast inspires anyone who is contemplating a change and ready to take the leap into the unknown for their highest good. We hope our guests inspire you as much as they have inspired us in navigating transitions while remaining grounded through change. I'm so excited to introduce Alison Berman to you. Alison and I have actually known each other since Sarah Lawrence College, and we talk a lot about mentorship here and, and finding mentors. And I'm excited to talk to her more about that. Um, but it also reminded me of the importance of peer mentorship and having friends and people in the same age group whose careers you admire. And Alison is one of those for me. So without further ado, Alison is fascinated by the intersection of regenerative systems, emerging technologies, and science fiction. And at her core, Alison is an interdisciplinary thinker. By day, she manages research, insights, and communications at Valo Ventures, a Silicon Valley based VC firm that invests in solutions addressing climate change, circular economy, and empowered people. Previously, she worked at a Climate Technology Accelerator founded by RMI, Third Derivative, and at Emerging Tech Think Tank Singularity University. Alison, so happy to have you with us here. If you could maybe start off by giving us a quick introduction of the career changes you have had to make to get to where you are today, that would be awesome.
2: Yeah, it's great to be here with you, too, and I love Fanny. the endurance of our friendship and the many phases of career that we've kind of watched each other move through. Um, I've made a lot of different leaps and big changes in my career. I think it's been um, central to getting where I am today. I started in um, the media industry in New York, that was a, a natural progression of my undergraduate degree at Sarah Lawrence College, where I was studying a funky mix of philosophy and economics and then wanted to make sure I had a job in twenty twenty in 2012, and so st- started studying behavioral economics and landed um, a great internship at Rodale, a big publishing company, and that turned into a job. Um, But then as that job was progressing and I moved to Meredith Corporation, another huge media company, what started blooming on the side was like this question about what it means to have a more um, impactful career, the type of impact I wanted to make. And so around 2014, I realized that I needed to make some big changes. And I started working with a woman named Lisa Kramer, who's an amazing executive coach and realized that i wanted to leave new york city and leave media and all this stuff And it was like really big and scary um but the why that was kind of driving it was so powerful it was like i want to become a journalist i want to work in emerging technology and i want to be writing about founders building badass stuff that's impacting our world and so um i would say that the first really Big pivotal change is uh, when I left New York. And in that process, it definitely felt like a big test. Um, I had dreamed about working at Fast Company. And I, right when I was like, I'm leaving New York, I'm moving to San Francisco, it was like a joke. It felt like Fast Company offered me this huge job, um, doubling my income, like three titles higher. And I turned that job down because they wouldn't let me do it in San Francisco. And I moved out here with just a freelance job and a dream. And um, that dream and my blog, Anchor and Leap, all about um, leaders, kind of, I won't say trailblazing, I hate that word, Um, impactful leaders, CEOs. That blog is what landed me my job at Singularity University. They were kind of like, well, you're not a trained journalist, but if you can build a whole publication on yourself, by yourself, we trust that you can do this. So that was like the first really big change I made.
0: That's amazing, and I love, you know, never sleep on the power of manifestation. You said you wanted a job at Fast Company, you got the job at Fast Company. It's all about, you know, maintaining that focus and law of attraction, I love that. Um, so I feel like, you know, a lot of the the leaps that you took were very much kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, provoked by your intuition, right? Like you just knew. That San Francisco was where you wanted to be. You know, you manifested the fast company opportunity. Um, for somebody who's not in touch with their intuition so clearly as you are, like, what is one thing that you would tell somebody that's kind of straddling the fence of like, should I make this move or should I stay? You know, where I'm comfortable and supposedly safe.
2: I think if you are someone who does not feel in touch with your intuition I would give the advice to start investing and in cultivating that skill I think not investing it is a is a in that is a huge mistake because intuition feels like so many different things at different moments sometimes intuition can actually feel like fear sometimes intuition can feel a bit edgy like anxiety um, and so it's actually I feel like it's if you want to live a life in touch with like your purpose and this like kind of energetic flow, that's your signature in this world. And as that relates to your career, if you're not investing in cultivating that muscle, it's just challenging because the world very much so trains us to go for the extrinsic and external rewards. And we have to build that muscle. And I've worked a lot on this, on building that intrinsic internal muscle of like, what is my truth? What are my values? What are my Core um, ethics, and then how do I make daily decisions, not these like one off ones, Like if like one off decisions align with your values, don't really matter. It's the daily showing up to your values. And so um, I would say like, get a coach. <laughs> get a coach, ask your HR team for help. Ask your friends to reflect your values back to you write them down. If you don't want to spend money, like you can say like to your friend, like, can you interview me and ask me these like four questions and record it and look at it and, and have it reflected back to you and say like, is this true to me? And write down like my 10 core values are, and like paste them on your wall. Because I think, um, that strong sense of intuition for me is like the, um, lighthouse of decision-making in my life.
1: Yeah, I love that you mentioned friends. And I think what I always admired about you, Alison, is how intentional you always were about the people you surrounded yourself with. Um, And I would love to hear more about it because, you know, for for some of our listeners, for anyone for context, um, Alison and I actually didn't meet too much for many, many years when I was at a different place and Alison needed to make this change and very intentionally um was moving towards new people. And I think at the time, you know, there was a part that that was painful. And then there was the part that I really started to understand of like, yes, like this is what it takes to make the change right you can't keep hanging out doing the same things and having the same conversations with the same people that you are trying to do something different from um, and then I have gone through that a couple of years after you and that's when we reconnected <laughs> and now our friendship is very strong because we both understand that um, but I would love your advice you know around like making some of those difficult decisions or if maybe they were easy for you I don't No, for me, they were often difficult because I have ended some friendships that were longstanding, but I didn't feel like they were serving me anymore. Um, So would love for you to reflect on that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting talking with
2: you about this because something I learned that initial leap I took out of New York and into San Francisco, I think um, as I look back and reflect, I think there was a level of gracefulness that in my, you know, being 25 years old, I didn't have. And I see now so much like every step you're taking in life, it's like meant to be um, generative. And um, there's this beautiful Zen quote, I can't remember it. But it's about like the things that aren't serving you like may you um, gracefully leave what is no longer serving you. I think the graceful is the key word. But It is hard. I think life is constantly expanding and contracting. And as we're moving through career changes, we are expanding ourselves and we're expanding our networks and we're like putting our hands in a lot of new veins and rivers. And then there comes a time where there's too much and you have to contract it. And, um, I think with friendships as well, like I'm all about long-term friendships and being like a lifer. And that's really a value of mine and how I show up for people. And I think, you know, if you begin making certain choices, leading down another path and... um you see communities that aren't reflecting that. I do think like our daily, uh, what I'm all about is like the daily change and the daily effort. This isn't like the one-off thing. And so it's surrounding yourself with people who are like asking those questions and making those types of choices. But I'll um, contrast that and say, I think it's really important to surround yourself as well. And I've tried to do this with different people with different opinions, um, I don't have social media anymore, but back when I did, I remember I had like a couple Trump supporters and I was so grateful to have them in my network to at least see their thinking. Um, and I think it's really important to like have the majority of people are like in that flow. And then there's like the peripheral challengers, but I think it's important. Like if you, um, are trying to, you know, work in Climate change, like for myself, climate change and on like big hairy problems, and that's what's really consuming you and driving you. But you're spending your time with people who are, I don't know, talking about the latest color of their manicure. Like you can only I can only handle so much of that. And so I think it's um it's like a it's a, a balance, and I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I think it's about how we choose to live our lives and the conversations we choose to challenge ourselves with. And I think as women, it's really hard because we're told the conversations we're supposed to be having are about our physical appearance and boys and all of this stuff that the media throws at us, that these are the topics that should be important to you. And it takes a level of like the Yiddish word, like chutzpah, force to be like, no, I'm going to talk about other stuff with my friends. And Fanny, I love that with us, you know, that's the meat of our conversation.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, somebody once told me, and I I always think about this myself as I'm evaluating um, relationships and, you know, does somebody from my past deserve a place in my future? Right. Because as human beings, like we think that the amount of time that we've known someone somehow gives them a greater sort of, you know, presence in our life or, you know, they just kind of get like, more of a past, so to speak. Um, but I remember somebody told me, you know, you got to always weed your garden. And it's true. You know, you really want to evaluate certain, you know, your relationships and ask yourself, do they fit with who I am today? They may have worked for me, you know, however many years ago, but the Tiffany that I am today, they don't really, you know, jive so well with. Um, and as you think about, you know, your network, um, Fanny and I went to South by Southwest and we were at a panel at the Inc. Um, founder's house. And there was a discussion with um, the founder of Cauli Power, um, you know, the the Power Pizza or whatever. Um, forget her name, Gail something. And then um, Tiffany Wells. And they were speaking about mentorship and how women tend to get over indexed on this need of having a mentor. And Tiffany Wells, presented the idea of like, instead having like a friend worship and that everybody mm-hmm. needs sort of like a spokesperson that's going to advocate for them and push them forward. And I thought that was so, you know, such an interesting perspective about that because we talk a lot about mentorship, you know, we talk about informal mentorships, you know, um, which most of my mentorships, I would say they just happen very organically. Um, But, you know, when she presented this idea, I'm like, yeah, if I really think about it, there's a lot of people that do play that role for me in my life that are my like hype person. Um, So curious, you know, do you have, you know, a mentor or a friend tour or how does that play a role in your life today and helping you get where you are?
2: Yeah, totally. I want to say one more thing about the prior question, which is a, it links back to the idea of core values that I think, you know, every community and friendship can serve like different purposes. And I think it's mostly the intersection at a core level on that, like values level, which can be expressed in different ways across the different relationships. And they all can serve very different purposes, which is the same with a mentor. Um, in terms of Mentorship, I have definitely had um, various mentors over the year. I'm in touch with um, a bunch of them. I feel like they play different roles in my life. Um, sometimes, like I think the most powerful mentor is the one who reflects your greatness back to you in the moments of self-questioning, and that has been really powerful for me. Um I worked with a woman named Lauren Williams, who's um, the creative director of Masterclass now. And she was a and is a huge mentor of mine Um, back at Singular University. She kind of saw this uh, talent in me and gave me a lot of opportunity that I had never done before script writing, being on camera, interviewing really high profile. ceos and founders live at conferences and it was really because of her who advocated for me and wanted me to step forward and do this and i was like i've never done script writing i've never um interviewed you know esther Wojcicki type level people uh the founder of craigslist you know really big names and she was like you've got it and we're gonna do it and um so i think that's the kind of like leader and advocator that is super powerful. Um, And uh, I think mentorship, something I think more about more recently is um, there's this idea that like you're kind of the, or this is like an idea I think about. In a sense, you are like the CEO, the leader of your like board of directors in your life. (laughs) And on your board, you need a lot of different types of people, but ultimately it's up to you to like steer the committee. And so there's a fluidity in who is there. And sometimes if you're going through a hard time, it's a lot of like friends who are supporting you and um, in that crew. And then other times you're like pushing your career forward. And so maybe that board is a bigger mix of... um, People who are supporting that skill development, um, and I think there's a flexibility needed in that inner circle. And I think the reciprocating of that is also really important. Of like, what roles are you? I'm always thinking about, it's like, what roles am I playing in other people's lives? And I feel like right now I've been focused on giving a lot to other people because I feel just like an 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 uh, abundance of uh, I won't say time, but I feel like there's a lot I've now focused on. Giving rather than um, receiving, which was a focus of mine previously,
1: more. I love that. Alison, we'd love to talk a little bit about climate tech and um, and your role currently, the venture space. And, you know, especially now, we see a lot of people who have ambitions of getting into. Um, the climate space and maybe no prior experience. So any any advice you can give?
2: Yes. I think uh, climate innovation is the uh, most competitive and important sector to work in right now, personally. And I think as you look as At my VC firm, uh, we invest, as you mentioned, in climate change solutions, circular economy solutions, and empowered people solutions. And when you look at the volume of capital being deployed across different sectors, like this is a really hard time um, from macroeconomic level, from a geopolitical level, and clean tech is outperforming most other sectors and this is because regardless of how challenging of a time it is, companies are making new net zero targets and um, even companies like ExxonMobil have major um, venture capital arms, CBC, corporate um, venture capital arms that are investing in new clean technologies that are speculative to help these companies uh, live forward into our new clean economy. And so. I would say that though it's really competitive, it's also really abundant. And a lot of these companies feel like they um, don't have enough strong talent in their candidate pool. And a lot of these companies are aware that to hire good talent, they need to go outside of people who just have climate experience. And I'm an example of that. I had technology experience, innovation experience, but I did not have climate experience. But companies know, like, you know, someone who's in their 20s and 30s. 30s, like the chances of them having major climate innovation uh, experience is quite minimal. It's the students right now coming out of college who have decided to focus on this as their career and are now targeting this emerging industry who might have that background. But uh, a lot of companies are open to people with peripheral and relevant experience. And um, there's uh, a lot of different organizations supporting people in making the switch. Uh, there's various VC Uh, VCs that have PhD programs. So um, 50 years venture capital has a PhD program because VCs constantly are looking for PhD students to come in part-time as technical due diligence experts because VC firms can't, unless if you're a small firm, if you're a massive firm, you're gonna have a lot of technical experts, but the majority of firms know a lot, um, know uh, enough about a lot of technologies and are relying on external experts to support diligence, and so that's a huge area of um, possibility. And then companies like Climate Base, Climate Draft, Terra do these are all companies super committed to um, getting people um, into the climate space. And I think also people should like reach out to people like myself <laughs> to brainstorm how to make the connective. Tissue. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. I think the idea that you need to know someone to get in is bullshit. I got my current job by uh, a cold job application. I saw the job, I wanted the job, I applied. Like no one made a referral for me. And so I think really it's what I always say like, go after the things that you want.
0: Yeah. And I'm a big advocate for a nonlinear background. I think that when you get somebody who's had kind of a winding road in their career, like they come with so much unique perspective that you wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily get from somebody that's just followed the, you know, the tried and true, uh, straightforward sort of track. Um, it's funny that you mentioned, um, Exxon because at South by Southwest, I noticed that Shell had like this huge activation. And I, I was like, Fanny, what are they doing here and they actually had like this whole um exhibit about you know clean energy and like they had like this thing that you could like you know play with and like I was like wow I mean shell of all people like you just wouldn't expect (laughs) that and they they had a pretty robust schedule of lots of different things going on so I was like that's pretty incredible um Aside from having the courage to just go out there and apply, um, where else would you give somebody sort of direction in order to self-educate? How did you get so passionate about this space and feel that you knew enough about it to apply for the job? Yeah. Well, it was my former job at Rocky Mountain Institute.
2: That was my first climate job. And so, landing my current job, I think without that prior job would have not been possible. And so that's about the idea that we're taking many steps and um, need to be kind of patient in moving through a transition. And um, in terms of training, I mean, goodness, you can learn so much for free these days. There are um, so many very powerful books right now coming out about climate innovation, like too much. It's like becoming totally hyped up now. So I think reading relevant uh, books is old fashioned but really important. Um, There's uh, universities like Stanford, Berkeley that have um, non-degree certification programs that are, you know, $1,000 to do um, that can be very helpful there is vc university which is a venture capital university that you can pay for i think fifteen hundred dollars to go through and it trains you and what you need to know uh in the venture capital space to get going so um very much so you can piece together the learning that you need and um go from there like i'm personally looking right now at taking a remote course in regenerative economics which is kind of like flipping capitalism on its uh upside down, which is funny because I work in venture capital, but so like, you know, it's like about pulling the right mix for you.
1: And what are some of your career ambitions now, Alison, where do you see yourself in, I don't know, five to 10 years? The truth is I feel like I'm the type of person
2: who has like a North star and then kind of what happens in the path to that North star is, is flexible. So right now. I would say on a professional level i'm focused more near term than that um at my firm i'm really focused on becoming an expert in circular economy solutions i have become really crazy about food waste technology food waste is a huge problem a third of all food is wasted it uh, contributes to 8% of global greenhouse gas emissions, and especially in the U.S., consumers have no idea uh, how much they're contributing to it. Um, Actually, it's household waste that contributes, um, is one of the biggest contributors of food waste in the U.S. And so uh, right now I'd say I'm really focused on getting a strong grip on that category. Uh, So circular economy, circular food systems, uh, food waste solutions, and um, I think eventually also circularity and sustainability in fashion potentially and so i'm really kind of focused on this is like a one-year goal which for me is just hyper relevant because the stronger i can be in this space like the better um, companies i can be sourcing for the firm and these are companies i believe have like big uh climate potential and so something i'm always trying to do is like not um it's easy in climate to get carried away with solutions that are sexy and flashy, but their actual impact is uh, low, like straws. Um, Reusable, like, yeah, reusable straws, for example. Uh, I wouldn't say that's sexy, but you know, some people are like, I use a reusable straw. And it's like, that's great. And like, it doesn't end there. So I'm very focused in, gaining a lot of expertise in these areas. And I'm honestly very focused on supporting other people right now too. And so something um, that I love about my job is I'm able to produce these um, events that kind of bring together technologists and entrepreneurs and founders. And I'm often trying to get young founders into that mix, even if they're not going to maybe be a match for any of the investors in the room, it's like those baby steps. And so um, in five to 10 years, like. I honestly don't know, definitely publish another book, um, definitely, uh, get more training in this regenerative economic space and become, uh, a sharper researcher and always prioritize my health.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Health is number one, always without that, you have nothing. Um, how do you stay grounded? I do a lot of things to stay grounded. I
2: uh, write morning pages every morning. Uh, Julia Cameron's book, The Artist Way, is one of my favorite books. It's sitting to the right of me on my coffee table. And Love that. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually I'm leading a free Artist Way circle this spring where I'm going to just be guiding people through the course. Mm. Um, and so I can send you a link for that. That's a yeah, Please. totally free offering minus... Mm. Like Of, like, the $15 book. So, I write morning pages every morning. I wake up, and this is my, I wake up really early. And I like to feel like before I get to my commitments to my job, I'm committed to myself. And that's sacred time. And for me to interrupt that time, it has to have a really strong cause. And so, in that time, I'm writing, I'm reflecting, I'm downloading and channeling um, everything that needs to get down there. And so, morning time is sacred for me, I think people talk about Kronos and Kairos time and Kronos is like standard by the clock and Kairos is kind of this mystical time. And I think the mornings we can tap into that really creative space of Kairos time. So that, um, I live next to a forest, the Presidio forest in San Francisco, and I live four minutes from the Golden Gate Bridge to Marin. And so I spend an unbelievable amount of time in nature. And uh, so nature, prolonged tree hugging. I believe in this, you know, really having nature spaces that are like touchstones and like relationships with that place of land. Um, I'm in a monthly women's circle in Big Sur. I drive down to Big Sur once a month and I get to partake in this unbelievable women's circle with a lot of women who are older than me, which I value so much. And, um, my Samba practice is also very grounding and alivening because I think we, live in a world that over indexes on the brain and productivity. And so a lot of this stuff is like downloading the brain and getting into the body.
1: love that. We could not agree more. Allison. we could have you here all day, all day and all night, but um, this was our time. And I just so appreciate your time, your friendship and your leading the way for all of us and everyone out there. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, both of you, for having me and for the very meaningful questions.
0: This was Grounded Through Change by The Change Agents. We are a boutique recruiting firm at the intersection of technology and communications. Please visit us at thechangeagents.co if you're looking to scale or looking to make
1: a change. Thank you for being with us. Please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Music was written and produced by Raman Mama. This podcast was edited by Ross Akuna.